The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. This is the special edition Freddy Outhouse got canned. Freddy Kitchens. That seems a little uh, cruel to talk about a man's uh, job prospects or lack thereof, but Freddy Kitchens has been fired. Longtime listeners know that Ryan Wilson, our resident Freddy Kitchens expert, coined the nickname Freddy Outhouse. Uh, Freddy Outhouse is out the door, Ryan. Uh, we're going to have, of course, a week 17 recap pod to break down everything um, involving the playoff situations, the crazy Seahawks 49ers finish. We want to get a Freddie Kitchens fired podcast out there to you. This will be a shorter version, and then we'll have the longer recap. So, Ryan, scale of uh, one to one, how surprised were you? Well, I was uh, a tad surprised only because – to start Sunday morning, it sounded like there was a report, I think from Ian, Ian Rapsheet, Rapaport, uh, Rapsheet on, on the Twitter machines that based on the outcome of Sunday's game, which was a game against the one win at the time Bengals, that might determine whether Freddie Kitchens maintains his job and his breaches dancing in, in a very gleeful manner. I can only take that to mean that Andy Dalton's swan song in Cincinnati lighten up the Bengals where uh, no one on Cleveland played well. Brinson, you pointed out after the game that Baker Mayfield somehow finished below 60% completion percentage, which I was like, yeah, it's not a big deal. And then I checked. That's worse than Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. So, uh, I mean, that alone is a fireable offense. But Freddie Kitchens just never seemed to be uh, anything but overwhelmed from one week to the next. And the culmination of that was losing to the Bengals in Week 17. ESPN's Jeremy Fowler tweeted this out shortly after Freddie was fired on Sunday evening. Freddie Kitchen's firing was uh, was about his 6-10 and 10 record, which ain't great. But that record spawned from what sources say was an unorganized approach to game week prep. And that's, you think? That's <laughs> the least surprising news we've heard all season. Uh, Jeremy went on to write, Kitchens was inexperienced, and it showed virtually in virtually every way. And so uh, in terms of the reports we heard last week about John Dorsey wanting to keep Freddie Kitchens and, and perhaps owner Jimmy Haslam not wanting to. Clearly, it looks like Jimmy Haslam won out. I don't know where they go from here. It sounds like Ron Rivera is going to be a popular candidate and where there are openings already. So we'll see what happens in Cleveland, but I, I think this is the least surprising development of the entire season. Um, uh, I don't know what the Browns have to do to fix themselves because we say that every year. I, I think they'll, they'll be a, a team with issues, like they're always a team with issues and, until they get it right, which they haven't done since so returning to Cleveland uh, 20 years ago. Sean Wagner, is this 
an attractive job. Yeah, I actually still think it's almost just as attractive as last offseason. Um, and I think, uh, I mean, this is assuming that they don't undergo a huge makeover and, you know, trade Odell to New England, as Ryan likes to theorize, um, getting rid of Jarvis, who was also reportedly getting unhappy as the season wore on. Uh, but I still think it's attractive because of Baker. And I think really that's the, the second biggest key here with Freddie getting fired. It's if they, like, clearly they were out of control. Clearly they weren't well prepared. But if Baker Mayfield had done what he did last year or put up numbers close to that, I think Freddie could have had a reasonable case to keep his job because the only reason he got the job was because Baker thrived under him um, in the second half of the season once they got rid of Hugh Jackson. Um, and the whole thinking was, let's just make Baker comfortable. Let's build the team around him. And there was zero point in keeping Freddie around is if he's a bad uh, manager of situations and game planning and Baker regress, which Baker clearly did. But I think the key for the next hiring is – it's the same question. You got to get someone who can bring out the best in Baker Mayfield. It clearly wasn't Freddie Kitchens. We clearly put too much on that eight game, nine game run, however many games it was with Freddie Kitchens at the end of last year. And that's what I think the target has to be. And I think if you are an offensive coach, I still think the job is attractive because of Baker Mayfield, because of Odell Beckham, uh, because of the running backs. So I, I don't, I'm not that down on the job. I still think this is an immensely talented team. I mean, we talk about the reason the Browns are so bad is because Freddie, Kitchens can't manage the team. It's, so if you get someone who can manage the team, if you get someone who can get the most out of Baker Mayfield like he was in 2018, then I think this round team is – I think this round job is still a good one. You know what? What's this is, it is funny that the Browns are firing someone after a six-win season. Think about how far Cleveland's come in like the last 10 years. That's like the third best season they've had in the past 10 years. And they're just blowing Freddie Kitchens out the door. But this absolutely – had to be done. The thing is that they shouldn't have given him the job in the first place. And I think a lot of us knock that. This isn't some hindsight. We're talking, oh, that was a bad decision. Freddie Kitchens was a positional coach his whole entire career. He got hired by the Browns in 2018 to be their running backs coach. Uh, eight weeks in the season, you dump Hugh Jackson. He's the offensive coordinator. Greg Williams gets Game of Thrones out of Cleveland. All of a sudden, your running backs coach is your head coach. I mean, who thought that was a good idea? That is not a good idea at all. Uh, Bruce, yeah. it, it was the Browns that thought that was a good idea. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. So that, <laughs> that is complete Cleveland Browns logic. And so now they're back at square one. And we talk about, you know, Ryan just read everything about game prep and how nobody knew it was going on. We literally saw in week one when they lost to the Titans 43 to 13. That was somehow, uh, the Schrodinger's cat of games where we were all super surprised, but then also not surprised at all. Cause it was like, oh, well, this was obviously going to happen because Freddie Kitchens has no idea what he's doing. Uh, and then they went two and six. And the crazy thing is if they had won just one of their final three games, they played the Cardinals, the Ravens and the Bengals to end the season. He probably still has a job. Seven to nine is just borderline respectable. No one was thinking this team would go 14 and two. I mean, people thought playoffs, but they all thought nine and seven, 10 and six. So they weren't going to be this great team. They were going to be a good team. And the fact that everyone on that roster just gave up on them down the stretch really, what? They were favored to win the division before the season began. And they were a top five team in terms of Super Bowl odds. Like, I think a combination no, of No, but I'm saying there, nobody here was predicting uh, more than 10 wins. And I'm saying most, most, what was their over under? You know, nine, like. Nine wins. Yeah, I, I just, I don't think. I, mean, we, I think we all, 
we all agreed it was going to go under, but I'm saying like when that when when that sort of buzz is building and you've traded for Odell Beckham, I mean, there's an expectation from ownership in the front office that you're going to be a 10 win team, and like this probably could have been a 10 win team. And they lost a lot of one score games, and they had a bunch of times that they, I mean, for lack of a better phrase, crapped their pants in like key situations. I mean, they turned the ball over. T- uh, with, in, twice in 17 seconds against the Patriots in New England, a game that they probably could have pulled off. We lose the Bengals in Week 16. You no show against the Cardinals um, in a Baker Mayfield revenge game. I mean, the, the whole uh, they, they got outgained by the Bengals the time before. I mean, just constant. Bengals good. Kitchen single handedly blew the game against the Seahawks. That was where they were sure. up in the fourth quarter, and then they lost by four. Yeah, and I mean, like each game had a. I mean, like at one point, I was when I was doing sort of Sunday pile. I would have a Freddie Kitchens disastrous coaching moment of the week section every week because there was every single week there was some huge, like crazy mistake that he made that even like a 17 year old playing Madden, if you took him like out of it, off his couch and threw him into a game, uh, he wouldn't make that mistake on the sidelines as a head coach. Also, Baker Mayfield regressed like crazy. He completed less than 60% of his passes this year. That is hard to do in the NFL. His yards per attempt dropped almost a full yard. Um, his interception spiked. His decision-making was terrible. And remember, we had Mary Kay Cabot on the podcast before the year when she said that she was a little worried. That people were worried that they were building this new offense that was like half Todd Monken and half Freddie Kitchens. Well, it didn't. the offense was bad, and Kitchens couldn't call plays correctly. He didn't know when to run. He didn't know when to pass. And he, he was just lost. I, I like he just he was just, he just wasn't right for the job, and there was way too much pressure on the on the Browns to be good this year. He was asked last week if Todd Monken should call plays in Week 17. He goes, "Nah, I got this." And uh, I don't know if that was a job interview for someone else because if so, that's that's a terrible idea. I'm going to give you a super hot take. So when um, uh, Jimmy and D Haslam bought the team, Pat Shermer was the coach. Got rid of him. Then it was uh, Chudzinski. Then it was uh, Patton, and then it was Hugh. Uh, he got fired, of course, and then it was Greg Williams. And Freddie Is your hot take that Jimmy D. Haslam aren't good at hiring coaches? <laughs> no, it's hotter than that. <laughs> of those names I just mentioned, Freddie Kitchens has been the worst coach of the D. Haslam. Uh, Hughes worse than Freddie. No, because look Hughes at this. didn't box. win six games. No, no, that's right. He didn't. In <laughs> three years. <laughs> look at this roster. This is a roster, if you stack it up against any team in the AFC North, it is a better roster. That includes the Ravens. That includes the Steelers when they were healthy. Uh, their offensive line's pretty bad. This roster is still off the charts offensively and defensively. Miles Garrett, Jarvis Landry, David Njoku, Odell Beckham. I mean, Nick Chubb, uh, Kareem Hunt. And they, had, and they had Antonio Callaway at the beginning of the year. Antonio Callaway, Denzel Ward. I mean, can go on and on. And they won six football games. I, I think, look, now look, I'm not saying Hugh Jackson comes in here and wins 12 games. He probably wins zero games. But just for the purposes of my hot take, Freddie Kitchens has done a much, much worse job with much better players. And I want to ask any one of you this question. So given Jeremy Fowler's tweets about how week in and week out Freddie Kitchens was grossly underprepared in terms of game planning, what in the hell was his interview like with John Dorsey and the Haslams that convinced him, convinced them collectively that he made sense as a, as a good hire given, as Breach just pointed out, previously he had been a quarterback's coach? Oh, I'll tell you right here that it was, hey guys, you remember 2016 and 2017 when you went one and 31 combined? And then when I became the offensive coordinator, uh, we went five and two down the stretch. You guys know what it's like to go five and two and be above 500? I can do that full time. 
if you hire me full time. That's it. You know, like you're, you're trying to get hired over one in thirty one. So the, the ceiling was so low that Kitchens was hitting his head on it. Can you I? Were, you were just an Alabama breach, and that's the worst Alabama accent I've ever heard. I use my <laughs> Alabama accent powers in Alabama. It's it's all gone. Okay. I do. I can barely talk. I do kind of want to push back against the idea that everyone was anti the Kitchens hire. Like I feel like at the time, a lot of people thought it was kind of smart given the way Baker played over the last eight games of the season. Uh, in his first eight games under Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley last year, Baker Baker's stats are actually remarkably similar to what they were throughout all of this year. 58.3% of his passes last year in the first eight, six games, 6.6 yards per attempt, eight touchdowns, six interceptions, and a 78.9 passer rating. In eight games with Kitchens, 68.4% of his passes, 8.6 yards per attempt, 19 touchdowns and eight interceptions, and a 106.2 passer rating. Uh, so, like, I, I can actually understand the logic in hiring him uh, because it's all about Baker Mayfield. It starts with the quarterback. Clearly, it did not work out, and clearly uh, he was in over his head. But I, my, my hot take was going to be I think Baker actually deserves a lot of the blame, too, and it's not just on Kitchens because I think if you go back and watch a lot of these games, there are open throws that he is just plain missing. He, I think there's not a stat for it. He had to lead the league in interceptions that hit his receiver's hands, and that's partly his receiver's fault, but it's also, if you look at the ball placement on those passes, I remember at the beginning of the year, he had so many on the goal line, right, where the pass is low and behind, and it pops up into the air and intercepts it. So, like, I think Baker actually deserves, I don't maybe percentages were like 70-30, but I think Baker also deserves a fair portion of the blame for how badly this is. 70 for Kitchens. I have to chime in real quick because when I say everyone, I kind of really mean us. And for Sean to defend the kitchen tire makes perfect sense because I just went back to read a story called grading the eight NFL head coaching hires of 2019. Uh, Sean, Sean, Sean graded the Freddie Kitchens hire as an A. Wow. To be, to be clear, no. I was about to bring that up because I was literally reading from that article because I wrote about that. The he wasn't bringing it up, guys. He was not bringing it I up. I was. I have it open on my computer. And, and my, I actually, and I stand by that. And I think if you go look at a lot of people's receipts, I think people thought it was smart at the time. Not the three of us who aren't crazy. By the way. Well, well, well let's, let's clarify, too, that I think when, when we were talking about the kitchen's hire, what we were saying was like, well, this could have been worse. Like, we thought they were gonna, what well, we, like, we thought they were gonna, like, what if they, like, bring back Hugh? Or, like, just keep rolling, you know That's what I mean? Like, literally it, the only one that makes it worse. Who were the other candidates they were looking at? It was like uh, McCarthy floated, I feel like. I mean, McCarthy would have been better. McCarthy wins 10 games at this rate. In hindsight, but when, when he got fired last year, people were so sour on him because everyone blamed him for Rogers' struggles the past couple years. By the way, here's a, here's a hot take for you. Odo Beckham went to a worse offense this year. That's, not, that's true. Yeah, but, I just looked up the Giants. Um, Cleveland, the Giants. Uh, let's see, this year Cleveland is twentieth in DVOA, and last year the New York Football Giants were thirteenth in offensive DVOA. So he actually did go to a worse offense with potentially a worse quarterback. Look, all right, Kitchens. I would say too. Um, I had I texted with some friends of mine. I was like, they're like, wait, so what is can Freddie Kitchens come be like the like the OC at NC State or something. I was like, I don't know if we want that to happen. A and B, like Rod Chajinski got fired by the Browns after one season. He landed with the Colts as an assistant head coach. Uh, he was their quarterbacks coach or offensive coordinator maybe in 2016 and 2017. He's been out of a job since then, I think. Like this, you get getting fired by the Browns after one year can derail your career quickly. Uh, the finalists 
with Freddie Kitchens was Vikings offensive corner Kevin Stefanski and Stefanski. (laughs) Jaguars, go ahead. And uh, remember, there was one other thing. The Browns chose not – they wanted nothing to do with Bruce Arians. He came out and said, I wanted the job or I would definitely be open to an interview. That's one of the few jobs I would come out for. And the Browns were like – uh, no thanks. We were going to pass on you who rebuilt Arizona Cardinals, and we are going to hire this guy who was a running backs coach. And who is really good with quarterbacks. And I want to follow up quickly. Sean said some of the blame goes to Baker Mayfield. I give Baker Mayfield maybe 1% or 2% of the blame. If Baker Mayfield is playing for the Cardinals, or now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Bruce Arians, we're not seeing this type of Baker Mayfield. If, if he's you know extremely lucky and playing for Andy Reid, there's no way we ever see this type of Baker Mayfield. This is all on Freddie Kitchens and whatever type of offense he threw out there, and it cost him a job. I don't know, as Brunson sort of alluded to, I don't know where, where Freddie Kitchens goes from here. I'm, I don't know if he still wants to coach football. He's not going to be an NFL head coach anytime soon. And, um, look, I don't blame him for taking the job, but I do blame John Dorsey and the uh, Haslam's for hiring him. That was, it, honestly, it was beyond idiotic. And it set the franchise back another year, and... I think I read a report. I can't remember who who tweeted it out, but it does sound like Mike McCarthy might be in the mix this time, and it sounds like Matt Rule will not be a, a potential candidate because he had yeah, said Mike, Mike Lombardi uh, tweeted, and Lombardi's obviously got connections to the Browns. He tweeted that, the, that Matt Rule is not interested in talking, even talking to the Browns. Like that's a problem when Baylor's head coach won't talk to you. That's a that's a bit of a red flag. He's being at least he's being honest, saving everyone the headache of going through it. I really do want to know what. Freddie Kitchens' interview was like, though, because I'm sincerely curious. I mean, it went like this. Well, listen, Jimmy D, I think what I can do with Baker, man, I think Baker and I are on the same page. We like to talk about beer and football, boobs, you know, a bunch of stuff. Like, it's, it's a fun time, man, but we do a bunch of things with football, and we run this offense, a bunch of skeet-a-madoo, rick-a-dinks. Uh, let's get this going, man. What do you think? They're like, oh, this is great. Fired up to the max. Let's go. Um, I mean, you got a guy from Alabama talking to a guy from Tennessee. In uh, in hindsight, there's a really funny quote from Kitchen's introductory press conference, which was, "Was I ready or not? I don't know. Were you ready to be a parent?" Question mark. <laughs> I remember that. I remember. <laughs> Look, Freddie Freddie Kitchen's press conferences were fine, but he was uh, he was obviously a terrible coach. So the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived, thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance. Clutch Athletics and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Uh, who do we think gets hired? Uh, Ryan mentioned Mike McCarthy, uh, Matt Rule not interested. Ron Rivera may interview, but Jason Lockenfora reported on Sunday night that uh, that Dan Snyder is preparing a basically a godfather offer for Ron Rivera in Washington, 
and it's apparently, according to Mike Silver of NFL Media, Washington Washington might be Ron Rivera's destination of choosing, which is is pretty wild. Um, Breach, any other candidates pop in your mind for the Browns job? Uh, I do like the idea of Mike McCarthy. I think that bringing in an offensive mind who is experienced, they need someone who can kind of hold everyone's hand because clearly this, they just need a mature person in the locker room who is not a first year coach or second year coach who kind of has a, a presence and knows how to coach in the NFL. And I would say Mike McCarthy. Hey, checks Brie, that. Quickly, how much drama did Mike McCarthy have to deal with in 12 years or however long he was in Green Bay? I feel like none. I don't know. Aaron Rodgers seems like he drama follows him wherever he goes. So but Aaron Rodgers wins football games other than that. Yeah, but that's one of those things where I don't think people understood how much trauma a guy like Antonio Brown brought until he left Pittsburgh. I was like, oh, my God, Mike Tomlin dealt with a lot. And I'm not saying that kind of drama was in Green Bay, but there does seem like, you know, he controlled a lot. Mike McCarthy kept things under wraps and, and did a good job there. And I'm not saying he's the best candidate. I think Josh McDaniels would be good. Uh, Urban Meyer. Would Urban Meyer go to Cleveland? If Dallas doesn't want him, I think Urban's. I think Urban's a, a great suggestion. I think, I think they're talking about him as in some executive role, perhaps. Uh, where did I see his name? It wasn't connected to Cleveland. But that was a report, so I don't know. But yeah, it does I, make sense. I think Urban really wants a, an NFL head coaching job. Why he can't get a? Because he, I think he wants a coaching gig and he can't get one. And wait a second, how do you know he can't get a coaching gig? He's one of the best coaches in the country. Why is he not being attached to all of these college jobs? Like USC, I don't know, but that doesn't mean USC, he can't get a job. USC kept Clay Helton instead of hiring Urban Meyer. That's weird. That's a red flag. There's something I, going on. I don't know what it is. Okay. Um, at any rate, like I, I don't, I don't know why, but I think that um, I think Urban would definitely take the Browns job. Obviously, Cowboys or Redskins. I think he would take uh, Stefanski, who Breach mentioned, or uh, St- Stefanuski. <laughs> Um, Kevin Stefanski, the the uh, Vikings offensive coordinator. So, but I think he was the guy that the analytics team in Cleveland recommended the last time around. I don't know if they would go with a, uh, a, a like a first time head coach this time around. I feel like they will almost certainly go with a veteran, a guy who's heavy on discipline. Like they're going to go the opposite route of, of Freddie Kitchens. Um, again, I don't know that Rivera would be there. McCarthy certainly feels like a logical land, a logical guy to land here, even if it's even if it's not a good hire per se. Yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't be a good hire. Sean? I feel like it'd be it a repeat. It would be boring, but maybe that's what they need. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I mean, so many. Like, would they be willing to take a risk on McDaniels? Because yeah, I, I feel like McDaniels high, has high flame-out potential. I mean, obviously, well, he has McDaniels, his last job. McDaniels doo-dooed the Colts job because, reportedly, he's going to get the Bill Belichick job. I don't but, think McDaniels is leaving for the Browns. I, but if this, if you're gonna jump ship from the Patriots, this feels like the year to do it. A lot of transition. I'm not, you know. Do you want the Patriots season? Yeah, you do. I wouldn't want the Patriots job. That's like getting the Duke job after Coach Kaylee. It's like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Way too much pressure. Yeah. Uh, what about Lincoln Riley? No, he's not leaving. Why would he leave that job for the Cleveland? That is the most insane thing I I can imagine. He's not doing it. Is he I, will bet your, I will bet a lifetime of Will Brinson Wiggs that he is not leaving that job to take the uh, Cleveland Browns job. Where, as you just said, you go there and your career dies. Give, oh, by the way, uh, Scott Pioli <laughs> mentioned on uh, CBS Sports HQ, I'm sure you guys were watching this um, in the evening, but um, that there's apparently some lingering tensions between John Dorsey and Paul DePodesta. 
And so, like, that could play a factor, too. So, like, even though we look at this, like, oh, like, tons of people, tons of great players on the team, um, you know, decent draft picks, a bunch of young talent, et cetera, et cetera. Like, there might be some stuff brewing in the background that would well, ward off. De Podesta was the guy you mentioned that the analytics that supported Stefanski or whoever the other hire was that wasn't Freddie Kitchens. And well, I also read a report somewhere that if De Podesta lived in Cleveland where he doesn't live full time, yeah. they, would, they would think about giving him more power. Right. It's weird. A, it's weird that he doesn't live in Cleveland. It's it's pretty weird that he's like the, one of the primary front office guys. He doesn't live in Cleveland, right? That's weird. Well, the previous Browns owner didn't live in Cleveland either. He's not an owner. He's a front office guy. Where, did, where does he live? He worked for the Dodgers. Maybe he lives in L.A. China. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he lives next door to Breach. He's afraid to come out of his house. Yeah, but at any rate, like, I, that may preclude veteran coaches. Like, I think that sort of stuff would preclude Ron Rivera from taking this job because he would be – like, you don't want to go there and be shoehorned in if you have other options with a front office that's problematic because you're going to get well, a tug-of-war you know, power fight. I would still rather have – I mean, because, like, we're talking about, like, the Redskins, for example. I mean, that that uh, franchise is just as toxic as the Browns. Like, I would rather go to Cleveland because at least you can see a path to winning – Within the next three years, I mean, I or guess. Two years. I mean, the Steelers, Steelers, are, Steelers are getting Big Ben back. Lamar Jackson's the MVP, and the Ravens are going to be good. And the the Bengals are going to have Burrow and a bunch of offensive guys. I, I don't know that there is a great path to win. Plus, like, if you go to Washington, you're Ron Rivera, and Dan Snyder's like, listen, here's the deal: you can have run of this place. You want to go hire your boy Marty Herney from the Panthers and bring him over and be your GM and take like take full control of everything. Do it. Like, go turn this team into a winner. It's been a clown shirt for 10 years. Whereas in Cleveland, it's like, hey, listen, you work for John Dorsey and maybe Paul DePodesta, and the owner's going to have his little fired up to the max fingers all jammed down in your business, too. So. But the flip side of all that and the thing that makes the Browns job attractive is that if you do get hired, if you're Lincoln Riley and you go to Cleveland and you take them to the playoffs, you're a god there. Like, you oh, literally please. become an instant legend in Cleveland if you get this team to the postseason. So what do you, you win the Super Bowl. Then what? They, they build a plaque in your – you're not, you're not going – No, they build you a statue yeah. and they give you a parade. It's going to be mean, – how, they had no one 16 parade, Ryan. How many team, times oh. – Fair enough. How many times does Lincoln Riley have to get blown out of the college football playoff before he decides maybe I should skedaddle to the pros and, and try and, try and cash that's out? A, that's an insane – Right. Uh, so coming up on Tuesday's episode, we will rank all the uh, the attractiveness levels, hot or not. Yeah. FMK. We'll do FMK for Browns, <laughs> Giants, uh, Panthers. Uh, Mary Panthers, obviously. Kill Browns and well, the Giants. You know. On the scale, I'll be a 10, and one of you guys can be a zero. From on zero hot- to hero, I'll be it. On the hotness scale. Uh, my, if, can I wear my Brinson Sucks hat? Then I'll be a 10. You'll be a 10. Okay, so anyway, um, by the way, Paul De Podesta lives in San Diego. There you go. I was close. Nice. Was in Cleveland, I've heard. Why would you ever leave San Diego to move to the middle of the country? That's just dumb. Living right. in San Diego and being an NFL executive is like living in Raleigh and being an NFL writer. It's ridiculous. Or, or living in San Diego as an NFL writer and moving to Nashville. That's where I was going. I was waiting for one of you to make fun of me for I know. Brinson is so concerned about making it about himself that I got your point, John. John. That's why I want to stress it. <laughs> But John now lives in a town where there is a football team, and there was one when he lived there. But he lived on the beach where it was 68 degrees. Plus, plus Jay Cutler lives in the same town as him. Also, he got married, and his wife wanted to be closer to her family, so she made a move. Yeah. Well, thank you for telling us every detail. (laughs) (laughs) What's the point of the story? 
So what's your the point is well, that actually, DePodesta is not moving. That was the point of the story. He's not leaving San Diego to live in Cleveland. Maybe John's saying that he's John DePodesta. Well, it's Paul DePodesta, right? <laughs> he has a brother, John. Right, we're getting out of here. This is the first fire. Freddie Kissy's got fired podcast. We'll be back to make sure to check out the recap also in the feed. Um, and uh, we'll rank coaches, uh, coaching jobs on Tuesday.